The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Okay, everybody should have a sheet. Everyone at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's begin reading in verse 13. Paul writes here, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that, he which are, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all who are here. And and Father, just instruct us today. Help us to understand the, the beautiful truths of your word. Thank you for this time now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We began this series of lessons on the Christian life on Sunday, May 3rd, 2015. So we've been at this for quite a while. Uh, We've studied the seven divine calls from God. We studied the meaning, the benefits, and the application of doctrine. And we've studied the judgment of the saints. Uh, this, This study is about the Christian life because... Life is very complex. And as we go about our day-to-day life, it's so very easy to lose sight of our Christianity. You understand what I mean by that? We, we get involved in life. Uh, we get involved in all kinds of things. I mean, I have, I have grandchildren, and uh, I, I take them to karate and I go to their, their soccer games, and, and uh, we do all kinds of things with them. And then, and then my family, we have family things that we do, and we do this. And then I work, I get up every morning, go to work, and <clears throat> all the things that are involved in our regular routine life. <clears throat> and it's very easy. It's very easy to forget about God really so easy. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that God is important to everyone here. I have no doubt in my mind all of you here love God. But are you amazed at how often we, we just don't even think about him? So it's a discipline. It's a discipline. It's something you have to, you have to work at to keep in your mind and your heart. So we, we, we do these things, we study these things, so we have a better comprehension and understanding of what God expects of us. 
from day to day. And let me just say, God does not appreciate or understand when we forget about him. I mean, we like to believe that when we go, as we go through our lives and we have our momentary lapses and we, we fail or we fall. We'd like to think that God forgives us, and he does. And we'd like to think that God forgets, and he does. But I don't think he's very happy with us for doing that. It's, we, he expects us to, to stay focused on why we are here. And we're not here to make money We're not here to gather possessions. We're here to worship and glorify and serve God the Father. So we have to focus on that. It's very important. Now, as we continue our study in the Christian life, I'd like us to consider a very important portion of that life, and that is the rapture of the church. Just a moment ago, as we read Paul's admonition to the believers that Uh, Thessalonia uh, to encourage one another with the truth of the rapture in verse 18 he said wherefore comfort one another with these words Um, we we read that and it's important to for us to make to to remember this it's important for us to to have this thought in our minds every day at every moment that the Lord is coming back he's coming back to rapture the church And who is the church? We are the church. He's coming back to gather together his elect saints. Now, we must make the distinction here between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. There is a difference. Often, men mistakenly speak of the two synonymously, yet they are different biblical events. Um, the Lord, in no place in First Thessalonians chapter 4 does Paul make reference to the Lord physically coming to the earth, does he? He doesn't, he doesn't make reference in these passages we just read that Jesus will set foot on the earth. In fact, what, he, what does he say? He's coming for us in the clouds. Uh, and so the rapture of the church will take place as the Lord comes with his archangels in, in the clouds and we will be gathered together with him there. So it's, it's important that we make a distinction there. Now, there are three common held positions surrounding the doctrine of the rapture of the church. Those three are, you might want to write these down, pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, and post-tribulation. Now, Mid-tribulation is the opinion that the believers will be raptured in the middle of the tribulation period, just prior to the revealing of the Antichrist. Post-tribulation is the opinion that believers are raptured at the close of the tribulation period, just prior to the second coming of Christ. Now, it's important to note here that these positions were not addressed or developed by theologians until the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Prior to this time, our Baptist forefathers did not find it necessary to to state a position on this. Uh, It was not until later 
that the debates began over when the rapture of the church would take place. Now, the debate was not over if it would take place. There's never been a debate that, that, the, that the church will be raptured. But the debate is over when in the timeline does it occur. Now, we at Berean Baptist Church, we hold to the position of the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. This is the opinion that the rapture of the church is the event that will usher in the period known as the tribulation period. So we believe that we will be raptured from this earth prior to the tribulation period beginning. In fact, the rapture starts the tribulation. The idea that, that God would leave us, we, his children, the idea that he would leave us um, here in this world while the full wrath of God is poured out is not consistent with Scripture. I mean, the Scriptures we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is it's evident and clear that, that we are going to be taken away to be with the Lord. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul states, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we're not, we are not appointed to the wrath of God. Some people think God is angry now. Well, to quote the old saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, the, Lord's, the Lord's laws are the enforcers at this stage of, of, of life. Uh, you know, I've heard it said, and I agree, that God's laws are their own enforcers. There's a, there's a consequence for every action. And, and the, only thing, the only thing keeping the wrath of God from pouring out upon... Have you ever wondered why God doesn't do something about all these atheists and all these liberals who say all these horrible... Have you ever wondered why God doesn't do something about people who murder babies, abortionists and all the... Have you ever wondered why he doesn't do anything? Well, the reason is because the Holy Spirit is still here. And as long as the Holy Spirit is here, the wrath of God does not come out, will not be poured upon this earth. But once the Holy Spirit is removed, which he will be when we are raptured, watch out. Because then the wrath of God will be unbridled and it will pour out upon this earth. We see the promise of Christ in Scripture to keep us from the wrath of God uh, that will be poured out upon the earth and its inhabitants. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. You see, this, this temptation that's going to come upon all the earth is, is the, the rapture. It's, it's the tribulation period. And, and, and Jesus has promised to keep us from that. Now, to understand this position and the importance of this position that we are pre-tribulation, we must understand the tribulation period. Now, I'm sure most of you know this, and it's just... It's just uh, uh, going over facts you know, but let's go through it anyway. The tribulation is a seven-year period of judgment upon this world. The period is broken into two parts, each three and one-half years in length. 
The latter half is referred to as the Great Tribulation. It is during this period of time that the Antichrist will rise onto the scene and will be revealed. At this point, men will go even deeper into wickedness and evil, if, if that were even possible. And thus the great and terrible judgments of the Lord will be poured out upon the inhabitants of the earth. Then at the end of this period of time, Jesus Christ will literally descend to earth and set foot upon the Mount of Olives. In Zechariah chapter 14 we read, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall uh, remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And this is what we refer to as the second coming of Jesus Christ. He will descend, and by the way, we will be with him. He will descend and put his feet upon the mountain, and when he does, the mountain will split into two, and a great valley will be left in its place. At this time, he will defeat the armies of the, of the, uh, of the Antichrist, and he will usher in the millennial kingdom. And this event is known as the second coming of Christ. But this, however, is not the context of our study today. So for the next several lessons, we will examine the rapture of the church. So what is the rapture of the church? When speaking of this, we must ensure that we keep with the context of the scriptures. Because the word rapture does not appear in scripture. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that is the word rapture used. The concept of the rapture, however, is clearly taught in Scripture. So the rapture of the church is the event in which God removes all believers from the earth in order to make way for his righteous judgment to be poured out on the earth during the tribulation period. Now, as believers, I am sure that each of us is aware of and comprehends the doctrine of the rapture of the church. Uh, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time giving you, giving you facts and, and, and definitions that you already know. Instead, what I would like to do is take the time that we have together this morning and look at two important catalysts surrounding the rapture. What is the rapture of the church and why is it important? Well, number one on your state sheets, the rapture of the church is the fulfillment of Christ's promise. It is the fulfillment of Christ's promise. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Jesus states, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. 
And this is Christ's promise to come back and receive us and take us home. He promised that he would go and prepare a place for us in heaven. Then he would return for us and bring us to that home. It's a promise. You can bank on it. Um, Here on earth we desire to have beautiful homes. And there's nothing wrong with that certainly. But you see I'm I'm not too worried about what I have on this earth. Because I already know what's going to happen to everything on this earth. And I can't take anything on this earth. I can't take any temporal material thing on this earth with me. Nothing. Not a thing. Nothing goes with me. But I, I don't need to worry about that because I've already got a home in heaven. The moment Christ saved my soul, he prepared me a place in his home in heaven. And I have a home there. So our focus then needs to be there, not here. You see, we tend to put too much focus on here. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have the, the best things we can have and we shouldn't provide the best that we can for our families. But if we make that, our, our, if that, if we make that everything, then we've, we have nothing. Lay not up for yourself treasures on the earth where moth and rust doth break through and, and corrupt and steal. Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures. Where? In heaven. And, and that's where our focus needs to be. Christ promised he'd come back and, and he'd receive us and take us to our, our glorious home. And we must remember that God cannot go back on his word. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, we read, So shall my word be, that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God does not go back on his word. He doesn't change his mind. But again, the debate today is not that God will break his promise to come for us. It's over when he will come for us. But for, the point, for this point in my message, let it suffice to say, that the rapture of the church is God fulfilling his promise to his children. As to when, we don't know, do we? And we cannot know. I mean, we can look at scripture for, for clues, and we can look at, at, at the signs of the coming of Christ, but we can't know when it's going to be. Been, been some foolish men predict the coming of Christ, only to face embarrassment and loss and shame, because no one knows. The tribulation is a seven-year period of time when God will finish his discipline of Israel and finalize his judgment of the unbelieving world. Yes, I said that the time when he will finish his discipline of Israel. Uh, It's not all about us. It's not about the Gentile people. Uh, in fact, during, during the tribulation period, the only, the only place the gospel will be preached is in Israel. In fact, during the tribulation period, I don't even know if America will be here. You know America's not mentioned in Revelation? 
We don't know that there'll be an America, a North America or a South America. We don't, we don't know. Listen, by the time, by the, by the time we get to the middle tribulation, two-thirds of the earth will have been consumed. Are you aware of that? Two-thirds of the grass and the trees and two-thirds of the people on the face of the earth will be dead. This is not all about Gentiles. Our time is now, but once the rapture takes place and the church is gone, the wrath of God turns upon the Gentile nations and his discipline on Israel begins. It's all about Israel, not about us. It's about, it's about Abraham's seed. It's about returning to his covenant with Abraham and finally bringing the nation of Israel back to himself. Turn with me, if you would, to Daniel chapter 9. Now, I mentioned to Eric earlier, I meant to have a PowerPoint presentation here to go through this, this portion. Um, it's kind of complicated, and I want you to listen to me closely, and, and, and uh, hopefully I, I can explain it in a way that you'll, you'll understand. Most of you, I'm sure, are aware of, of this. But Daniel chapter 9, and let's go to verse number 24. Now here Daniel is speaking of prophecy, and we begin here in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. It says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street uh, shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself and the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week uh, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now this is Daniel's prophecy of 70 weeks. Uh, now this 70 weeks is, is um, 70 sevens in years. Okay, one week represents, uh, one day represents one year. So one, one seven day week uh, represents uh, seven years. And so 70 weeks or 70 times seven equals 490 years. Okay. Everybody, everybody with me so far? Okay. Verse 25 speaks of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Sixty-nine weeks, or uh, threescore seven weeks, or sixty-nine sevens in years, is given as the time frame between the commandment to rebuild and the death of, of the Messiah are 483 years. So 69 times 70 
483 years. Now, the command to rebuild Jerusalem took place in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, or 450 B.C. So the command to rebuild Jerusalem took place, and this is all historical fact, took place in 450 B.C. by the Julian calendar. So from 450 B.C. to zero is 450 years, and at zero, who came on the scene? The Messiah. Now the Messiah was crucified when? What was his age when he was crucified? Anybody know? 33. It was the year 33 B.C. Christ was crucified. Again, historical document, not, not, not guesstimations. Now, 450 plus 33 equals what? Any mathematicians in here? 483. Well, behold, 69 weeks, 69 seventies is 483. So, long before it ever took place, Daniel talked about these 483 years from the commandment to rebuild Jerusalem to the death of the Messiah, to the sacrificing of the Messiah. So that's 483 of the 490 years. So the 70th week, or seven years, yet remains. And this is the tribulation period that, that, we, that will be faced upon this earth. It is a time of unequal judgment and despair. And God's word is consistent that the judgment is not for his redeemed, rather it is for the perditions of ungodly men. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7, we read, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The rapture of the church is Christ fulfilling his promise. It is the justification of Christ's death. He having paid the debt for our sin, so that we should not suffer judgment ourselves. And it is consistent in the word of God. Daniel prophesied this long before it ever took place. And he was accurate in his prophecy. And we can see that. So Christ promised that he would not allow you and I, his elect children, to endure the wrath of God. The wrath of God was poured out upon Christ on, the, on, on Calvary, and he took, our, he took the wrath of God for us. So the concept that Christ would leave us here on earth during the tribulation is not consistent with Scripture. What is consistent with scripture is that he is coming again to receive us in the clouds and take us to heaven before the wrath of God is poured out upon this world. So the rapture of the church is the fulfillment of God's promise. Then secondly, we'll get started on this. I don't know if I'll get through it in, ten, in five minutes. Secondly, it is the finality of God's purpose. 
It is the finality of God's purpose. Second Timothy chapter 1, we read, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. Paul said all these things are done according to God's purpose and grace. Now through the rapture of the church, God will put the period on redemption. This world mocks God, and they mock the concept of his return. Uh, later, turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 and, and read 2 Peter chapter 3, and you'll see, you'll see an example given in Scripture of how men mock the, the, the promise of, of, of his return, and how, how men belittle our faith in the rapture and belittle our belief that Jesus is coming back to, to, to take us home with him. However, in that day, the mocking will cease. And the cries of torment and woe shall begin. For both the Jewish people and the Gentile people, who as a nation have rejected and denied the Messiah. And in this time, God will have the last laugh. You know, in Psalm chapter 2, we read, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them sore, or vex them in his sore displeasure. God's going to laugh at them. You know, you know, ungodly men right now, they laugh at God, don't they? They laugh at you, they laugh at me, they laugh at God, they belittle God, they make fun of God, they use his name in any way they want. They do all these things and, and they, they do it because they, 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 where is he? You know, if, if God, if God is, is, if God is God, let him strike me right now. How many of you ever heard that? Huh? You ever heard some man say to you, well, you know, if God is God, then let him strike me down right now. Oh, he's not going to do it right now. But that day is coming. That day is coming. And, and God will have them in derision. He will laugh at them and they'll cry to him and they'll call to him and he'll laugh at them from heaven and he'll pour out his wrath upon them. And that day is coming. It will be the answer to all the world's skeptics. Their mouths will be stopped and they will acknowledge the power and authority of God, albeit unto their own destruction. Isaiah wrote, I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Revelations chapter 20, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Yes, the rapture of the church puts the exclamation point on God's mercy and grace. It is the deliverance of God's elect from the wrath to come. Revelation chapter 20 again. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. 
On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. It is no wonder that Paul could with such confidence state as he did in 2 Timothy chapter 1, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul had confidence. He knew the rapture was going to take place. He knew that he would be spared from the wrath of God to come. And today I also look for that blessed hope. The hope that one day soon I will see the face of my Savior. The knowledge and and, and awareness that I will escape the horrible wrath of God to come. No, no, I'm not going to be raptured mid-tribulation. Chances are, mid-tribulation, as I said, the, the Americas won't even be in existence anymore. The only part of the earth that will be left will be those that will, will take part in the final annihilation of all men. The small areas of, 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 of Asia and, and the Middle East. Gog and Magog. In the battle of Armageddon. Gog and Magog. Who are they? Anybody know? And China. Russia and China. Gog and Magog will come against Christ and his people for the, for the final battle. After the Lord has consumed two-thirds of the earth, these people are still ignorant enough to believe they can defeat him. Today I live in faith and I walk in faith. The faith that my salvation, uh, that in my salvation I will be spared from the wrath to come. And all of this rests in the truth of the rapture of the church. I shall escape the judgment to come because I am under the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for his great mercy and grace. And thank God for our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we'll continue to look at the rapture of the church. We're going to look at who will be a part of the rapture of the church. We're going to examine what are the results of the rapture of the church. And then lastly, we'll look at how can we prepare for the rapture of the church. So thank you for being here today, and uh, you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.